And now, brought to you by Guru Energy Drinks. Good energy, smart organics. www.guruenergy.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Pluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck, joined as always by Zachary Bartles, uh, coming to you live from the Guru Energy Studios, uh, where today I drank a, uh, a Guru... Um, rats, Zach, I forgot the name of the fruit. Passion it's a, fruit? Like, like, no, like the pink like breakfast fruit. Grapefruit. Oh, yeah, that's a hard Why one. Why was that so hard for me? Why was that so <laughs> difficult? I wanted it to be so articulate, the way that I, I seamlessly, you know, radio wise transitioned into uh my guru promo but uh <laughs> i hope i hope they show grace and they don't drop us uh you know for my inarticulate ways but uh, let me but tell really you something feel- man i'm all out of guru i'm all out of guru i'm so lost without it <laughs> dude really you drank through all that guru already i, I did yeah I, I was out of it about a week ago oh my goodness man wow yeah see i've still got kind of half a garage full so. <laughs> I've given some away too. Have you? Did you give away any of the guru? Nope. I just drank it all. You just drank it all. Nice. I let my seven year old have like half of a can. Dude, I, I've let Tristan have some gurus too. He loves it. <laughs> Which that's probably there's probably something like it's probably actually illegal in like Massachusetts to give your kid an energy drink. You right. Know? Yeah. It's probably illegal to to think about buying one in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. They they cost seventy eight dollars per can in New York City, where sugar is is taxed. Is there sugar in Guru? Isn't it all organic, natural, and stuff? Dude, I think it all is. It is organic and natural. Never natural mind. sugars, probably. Yeah, yeah, natural sugars. Even natural sugars are actually. In fact, they told the fruit that they can't make any more sugar in New York yeah. City. They were yeah. like, "You're going to be fined and imprisoned if you make more natural sugars." Orange. You know, we need to govern that. You know, the, the fruits really need to be governed. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody's taking that on, as it were. <laughs> um, well, we have a lot to take on today, my friend. We have a lot to talk about, as always, on the show. As uh, as Gut Check Literacy Month kind of grinds along here, we're in, uh, I think we're ready for Chapter 6, or Chapter 4, rather, uh, in Re-Raptured, uh, also known as the Great American Novel. Um, and we are we are nearing Christmas, baby, and Gut Check has some, uh, we have some exciting uh, options for Christmas, including Re-Raptured, including the Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion, which is, uh, you said, you texted me a day or two ago and said that that was selling like crazy again on uh, on Amazon. Yeah, which is not unusual for the, the gift-giving period for that to, to yeah. kind of shoot up uh, rank-wise. Um, that, that's a great gift. Uh, you Dude, got- it is. It's a fantastic gift. And we're soon going to have the Gut Check Guide to Publishing. Yeah, which, which would be a, a great gift for a loved one or yourself that's if right. you are into writing and or wanting to publish. Baby, well said. If, you, if you're the kind of person who takes sort of arty Instagrammy photographs of your writer's desk, <laughs> this book will be right up your alley. You know what? I think we should take that uh, the 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 Twitter kind of header that um, that Chaz is using now, and uh, we sh- we should make that like the cover image for all of our our social media. I, I just think it it kind of perfectly encapsulates just who we are. You know. <laughs> As a company, if we did that, Chaz would probably sue us, though. So there's yeah, that. well, yeah, we get a cease and desist letter from Chaz, <laughs> which that. which would have like, I mean, it would be written on a napkin, and there would be you know <laughs> a subway napkin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. 
Well, baby, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about a, a link that you sent me this last week, man. And and why don't you kind of set this up since you're the you're the pastor uh, in the group. Uh, <laughs> this was something that you. That's the dynamic of the group: you being a pastor and me not being a pastor. <laughs> but um, you ran across this thing online, and uh, and you just wanted to wanted to get my opinion on it. Why don't you talk about that? I actually asked you, and, and you know, these, these are the kind of things that start out as in, intensely private, and then we're like, oh, that'd be funny yeah. to talk about, right, uh, right? So so it involves me kind of revealing that I'm, you know. How do you say a bad person? Um, no, I, I would and say yet above mean, reproach. Man. You're just you're 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 accessible. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it, I, I, the question wasn't uh, what do you think of this. It was what does it say about me that this makes me angry? Yes, um, that's right. And it was just like this guy who was I, I had been we're, we're we're starting an outreach uh, kind of restarting and and kind of revitalize an outreach program at my church. Yep. Uh, and I've been reading everything I can get my hands on, and I and I've said to myself, I'm even going to read stuff that I normally wouldn't look at because I think it's either kind of super commercial, you know, it's yeah. kind of corporate, uh, you know, missions, visions, yeah. all this stuff, or because I just I mean I just think it's corny and dumb, but I'm still right. going to read it all and, you know, kind of chew the, the meat, spit the fat, which is a yeah. disgusting mental picture. It really is terrible, <laughs> isn't it? I've never seen anyone do that, but if I did, I would ask them no, to leave wherever I was. Um, but but I, I came across this guy's, he was an outreach pastor, and there were all these terms he used about himself, uh-huh. and and like, honestly, I, I, I just wanted you to have read it as well. So I sent yeah. it on to you, and I sent it to my wife as well, and I was like, just basically, that was my kind of way of saying... Let's all scoff at this together. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a day in the life of this guy's ministry. Yeah. And so it this was... is a website of a guy who was a like an associate past at a huge mega church, right? With multiple campuses. Multiple campuses. And d- describe this guy, if you will. Um, well, he, he definitely was the celebrity reader uh, somewhere. Uh, he definitely does a lot to help everyone. And yeah. he's a William Wallace Jesus follower. Wow, yeah. So so we can it given his William Wallace reference, man, we can we can slot this guy at about forty years old, probably late thirties. It's possible you know, he wears like six vests. Yeah, so this guy, man, he was very vesty. He was very kind of <laughs> kinda outdoorsy. He compared uh, a day in the life of his work to just surfing, you know, just getting out there on the waves, you know, and right. And, Today the waves might be, uh, you know, meeting with some guys at a Starbucks. Tomorrow the waves might be meeting, meeting with the with mayor. Some, that was in be, there. Meeting with some guys at a Panera, you know, uh-huh. and, then, and then the wave the next day might be meeting with some more guys back at the Starbucks. You know, <laughs> so as you can you see, never there's know lot, what's going to happen. Yeah, dude, there's a lot of amazing diversity with the waves. <laughs> yeah, and I think at some level, obviously, what's going on with me is I read that and I'm just jealous of the guy. Right. And that turns into kind of some some sort of mild, uh, you know, very very low grade, treatable uh, yeah. bitterness, uh, which then leads to me going, Pfft. dude. Now, why are you jealous of the guy? Well, you know, I mean, like the the fact that like sometimes, he's like, you know, he's he's getting paid ninety thou a week just to have a couple of coffees, and you know, <laughs> not that in the least. Yeah. Uh, more like if you have ever been a pastor of or are currently a pastor of a. Um, Smallish to mid-sized uh, church, and you're the yeah. the guy there. Um, you know uh, that it's very reactive. So mm-hmm. people come in, uh, they want to talk to you, they need help with this. Uh, you know, you you have a committee meeting, and then you have a board meeting, and then you all these different. You're kind of like you, you, things are happening to you. Uh, yeah. And then once in a while, you'll have some complete downtime, and you'll think, man, I'd like to you know kind of connect with someone. And you'll have this moment of like, I don't know how. 
You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know where I would go in, in this hour long break that I have to really make a connection. And then to have somebody who's like their, their whole job is you just go out every day and just kind of be that guy. You just know, do life, man. Just make some connections. I'm jealous of that. Like I really am. I, I would, I would, uh, I, I wouldn't be good at that job, but, mm-hmm. but there, there's a certain level of, uh, you know, I wish that, that, that came really natural for me and that I had all the time in the world to, to kind of build that, you know, in my life, but I don't. Uh, and so, you know, in true gut check fashion, I just sent you an email and said, look at this. Yeah, you did, man. And I appreciated it because it was funny. And I feel like it allowed, uh, you know, it allowed me to uh, it, uh, encourage you a bit. Do you think there's anything now I'm getting all happy around? I'm getting all uh, altrogues on you here. But I mean, do you think there's anything wrong with that kind of, uh, you know, banter between two people? I don't About know. Somebody else who's who's, you know, this guy is a brother in Christ. You know, all kidding aside, he will, you know, we will likely be sharing the, the kingdom with this guy. But uh, but yet I and I think my response was. He is a brother in Christ. I, I am I am glad for him, but yet he's the kind of brother in Christ who I would I would choose to spend zero minutes of my life with. You know? <laughs> if I could put a number on the number of minutes that I'd like to spend with someone like that, it would be zero. <laughs> I, I didn't even I, I didn't even know that it was like the guy. I mean, because you, you can't even see Dude, through. Dude, it's not the actual guy. The guy might be, he might be fine, but it's yeah. that kind of guy. You, you can't know? see through the layers of, of like terminology so, and vests to see the who the actual guy is in the website. The actual guy, you know? So, so I think it's more like kind of the, the church model. And, you know, these are the questions I've been struggling with anew. As I say to myself, you know, churches everywhere, uh, you know, traditional churches, if you will, are, are kind of plateauing and in many cases uh, a very slow decline uh, as people yeah. die and, and new people are not coming in at a fast enough rate to replace the people who, the older people who die. Um, sure, sure. And, and, and so I'm, you know, asking myself a new kind of, so what, what is our response? You know, do you um, kind of punch up the the worship service a little bit uh, in, yeah. in order to attract the young person, uh, or is that utterly selling out? You know, right. in, insofar as my my view has always been very stringently holding to the idea your worship service is not outreach. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, I've I've been kind of allowing myself to to read some things uh, with an open mind that I would have I had already made up my mind about long ago. Right. Uh, and reading that made me kind of go, yeah, no, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. step my foot. I don't want to open my mind too much. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't want to open Pandora's box and find, you know, you know, I wake up, you know, three weeks later, just covered in cocaine and wearing like nine vests Dude, and nine North face vests. got a pay. giant lumberjack beard. Yeah. Yeah. Lumberjack beard, shaven head, huge chunky glasses. You'll be that guy, man. I won't even know myself. Or- yeah. You'll, you'll, no, you'll spend the day like cycling between the three different Starbucks in East Lansing, you know? Yeah. And then like the four campuses of my church. Yeah, exactly. Dude, it'd be amazing if your church had four campuses, wouldn't it? No. I don't I mean, the size that it is now, though, is what I'm saying. Like you had a, a campus for like six people here and four people there. And... Although now you're, now you're kind of, uh, making the, the picture far bleaker than it is, but okay. No, no, no. In a, in a fun way, though, in a, in a, I'm I'm in this with you kind of way. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, if we had if we had four campuses, there wouldn't be six people at each one. But okay, <laughs> there would be four people at each one. No, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry. I always like to talk to you, Ted, to make me feel better about myself. I know, and I need to I need to do that, man. I need to be about the business of making you feel better. Now, this this guy though, back to this guy, wasn't that? And and you and I went to similar colleges. You went to uh, 
uh, a small Christian college in Grand Rapids. I went to a small Christian college in Indiana. And isn't that guy just sort of the – for me, that was the kind of guy that I just absolutely hated in college. You I didn't know, what I mean? know that guy in college because they hadn't been invented yet. I think maybe oh, dude, because no, – See, my college was full of guys like that. Really? Yeah, guys who were like into ministry but who you knew like would would – gravitate toward the kind of ministry that would be very lucrative. You know what I mean? Okay, like, I can see a, that. A, a certain kind of ministry. Um, yeah, the kind that featured a lot of just like ski trips and money and, and you know, just sort of that kind. But we had a lot of that kind of guy. Now you're not talking now because you're all offended because I, I, I pissed you off about the four people thing. <laughs> no, you're all no. glum and morose and quiet over there. I'm actually just processing this and trying to think if, if – I, I think I might have been blissfully unaware of like that element – until I got into like reading blogs, which was, you know, when I That's was amazing that you were unaware of that. And maybe, maybe that element didn't exist where you went to school. Um, well, it was Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, so I bet it did. You know, Grand I mean, if it was anywhere, it would be element. there. Yeah. If it was anywhere in the world, it would be there. Right. I just can't believe you're oblivious to it. Yeah. Well, you know, and I went to, to college literally like I could have, even I could have thrown a football from the edge of our campus to the office of Rob Bell uh, Dude, during yes, that yeah. time. Yeah, like the big local megachurch at the time was right there. Like, and right. I attended there on Sunday nights. So, so yeah, I guess I just, you know, I think I, I had a very, very ecumenical view of everything, uh, especially my early years of seminary and my late years of college where I, it was kind of, you know, you do it your way, I do it my way, and, you know, whatever, yeah. they're all good. And, and, right, and, right. uh, it, 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 which is opposite of how it works for a lot of people. A lot of people are, are very, uh, kind Strident of closed off. Yeah, during yeah. seminary, and then they kind of open up and, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I. I don't know that I, I. I think I had a very small circle as well in college and, and seminary. Uh, I've always been the guy with like you know four or five really close friends, not yeah. fifty five. You know, guys sort of in friends, my like connections. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of being closed off and not really knowing anything, uh, <laughs> I. I had a weird experience last week in that uh, there was an afternoon in which my phone was was as the kids say blowing up. Not literally blowing up, but blowing up with texts and emails about uh, the fact that Phil Vischer uh, mentioned uh, my other podcast on his podcast. Yeah. And everybody's sort of congratulatory with me about this. And uh, I finally had to text Barnabas Piper uh, and just be like, uh, who's Phil Vischer? I, I can't I no believe idea who that. This is. What's that? I can't believe that. I can't believe you didn't know who Phil Vischer was. Well, dude, it's because the whole VeggieTales thing, like, it, it hit after I was fully a grown man, and <laughs> it, it had jumped the shark before, like, my kids were really watching shows and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It, it just, Yeah, but you it, and I it, are it, about the same age. Yeah. I mean, I was aware of it. I knew that it, was, it, that it existed, but I never cared about it enough to, like, figure out who, like, invented it or whatever. You know what well, I mean? Well, here's the thing. My small group of, of people yeah. in, in college... We had all the Veggie Tales because really? we thought they were hilarious. Yeah, there were all these kind of '80s pop culture references and stuff, huh. and it was kind of the thing to like pop in, um, you know, the the uh, latest Veggie Tales, you know, and, and it, the CGI thing was kind of new at the time, and so like yeah, it was yeah. it was like watching Toy Story or something. Right, and right. Everyone thought Phil Vischer and uh, Mike Noraki, the other guy, uh, were just punk rock genius kind really? of. You know, floating in under the radar of the world with this just incredibly well-made product, and and bringing you know a biblical message in. Uh, I, I he was he, and still is. I mean, and and of course he's become. And I, I tell me if you're aware of this. Probably not, but go ahead. <laughs> um, after the Veggie Tales thing, he he uh, wrote a book 
yeah. about himself and his ministry and all this stuff, in which he kind of discloses, I realize now that VeggieTales was all law. I was teaching huh. kids to act Christianly without making them Christians. And so wow. now he's, in doing that, he's become kind of a hero to the, the Reformed right. by, like, repenting of all this and coming out. Of, and, and so he's got, like, kind of double cachet in my book. Dude, I literally had no idea about any of that. But that sounds fascinating, man. That's really cool. Yeah, and he and he's funnier than heck. I mean, he's huh. he's just hilarious. And his I, I've listened on and off to his podcast, which is is just really well done. What's it called, man? Does it have a name? Or it's is it just, just the, like Phil the Phil Fisher, Fisher podcast, podcast, actually. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now the other the other two people and and people were sending me clips of the podcast, so I actually I watched a couple of minutes. Like, what's their story, man? Are they like always on there? Are they just sort of guests for that app? Or no, what? they're always on. And basically, it's like uh, if you have a show, you have to have exactly those two people on with you, right? Wait, like, yeah, who are those two people? Uh, they're Happy Lady and Haha Man. Dude, what do you mean now? Explain Happy Lady and Ha Ha Man. Like in any show, like I mean, when you whoever it is, like like Kevin Pollack has a podcast, um, or or you know Howard Stern, whatever, whoever it is talking, you have to have like the lady who like kind of makes some comments, but mostly laughs at what he says. Yeah, dude, the lady whose job it is to basically just validate you, right? And and, and then the setup guy who just gives you like kind of lobs you the the softballs and you knock them out of the park with the funny. Dude, so all right, like, so the bald guy was the setup guy, and the the lady was the you know the ha ha validation lady. That that's my that's my impression. Dude, interesting uh, man, very interesting. I'll have you know, Ted, in that episode, uh, yeah. based on the name of the happy rant, and then uh, whatever the other one was, I don't remember what it was uh, that yeah. had an odd oddball name. Uh-huh. Um, based on those, they had a discussion of whether or not they should rename their own podcast. So you're, I mean, you're wow. challenging people all over the place. Dude, you know what we're doing is shaping the culture and redeeming it, really? <laughs> you know, culture is happening because of us. Remember when that was a thing to talk and, and get all sanctimonious about how you were going to like reshape the culture? Yeah, absolutely. I still hear that quite a bit. I was insufferable about that. Like, Really? Yeah. I don't know how many years ago, but it was, we were living in Lansing. I hadn't yet met you. And and you lived in the ghetto. Yes, we lived in the ghetto, on, which it was we were a choice, man. Too, yeah, by choice. That's right. So we were we were horrible about that, and we were also horrible <laughs> about like, you know, I was I had just started to write for ESPN, so I had a huge ego. I was full of myself, and and I thought I was going to like write, you know, the great uh, American redemptive movie that was going to be like the, you know, not a Christian movie, but a but a movie that made people think, you know, and like change the culture. I was that guy. I'm glad I didn't meet you then. Dude, yeah, it was horrible. I mean, I was still fun and still, like, funny, but, like, I was pretty insufferable about stuff like that. Didn't you guys live behind a gas and sip for a while? Dude, yeah, I felt like it, man. It again, by choice. Again, oh, absolutely by choice, you know, absolutely. We were, we were, we were doing incarnational living is what we were doing. <laughs> Meaning we didn't have a whole lot of money, and that was the place that we could get, so... We yeah, the, I wonder how much incarnational living is like by choice for real or how much is just like, well, I only <laughs> have enough money for this apartment, so I'll pretend it's ministry. Yes, exactly. exactly. Whereas there's kind of that middle ground where you could be like, wherever I am, hey, that could be a ministry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. It's good that we, good that we grow out of those things. Yeah, so dude, this this whole uh, this whole discussion of uh, of Vischer and the podcasts and the the sort of vest wearing, you know, insufferable church guy. I mean, it, it does bring us back around to this whole issue of, you know, we we talk a lot a lot about marketing and persona building, I guess, on on the individual level as authors, but uh, but it does beg the question: how much of that is okay to do 
uh, as, as a church and how, when, when does it cross the line into creepiness? Yeah. And th- I mean, I, I am super struggling with that right now. I'm not even struggling with that. I'm just kind of mulling it over. I mean, I'm not right. like up nights like, ah, but, uh, you know, let me, let me bounce some things off you and you just give yeah. me your, we'll do a little gut check with Ted Cluck, oh. which is a phrase that I stole from a really famous podcast that, that Bob the tomato loves. You know what? But that that podcaster is now retired, so I think that right. it's fair game now. And he also stole it from us. So, um, let me throw out some just concepts, and I want to okay. get your impression if it's creepy, crosses the line, okay. or if it's if it's fair game and it's fine. Okay, creepy or fine—that's the name of this segment. <laughs> Dude, do you, do, you, do you like how creative I am? And in a, in a context, yeah, just dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. all right. So here it is. Um, Church logo. Okay. Church logo, man. I think it's it's fine provided it's not too a lab. You know what I mean? Okay. Provided it's the kind of thing that like your secretary could just sort of, you know, <laughs> spend a couple of minutes in, in like some very primitive program and make up, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's okay to have that kind of logo. But if if the logo looks like it was created by like Don Draper's, you know, ad agency in, in Manhattan, then I think it's creepy. Really? Okay, so hiring an actual, like, designer, graphic designer, would cross a line in your mind. Dude, yeah, that, that to me, that strikes me as just really sad, actually. Okay. You're like, hey, I've got this church, and I want you to kind of get to know the the ethos of who we are, and then and then create a logo based on that. And then bill us. Like, you send a bill to our office, and we'll send you money to do that. <laughs> you know? We'll send a check to your Manhattan office. So having made the the logo, I gotta say that surprises me a little bit. I didn't think that you'd have that. Okay, Okay. dude, I feel like that's creepy even for authors. I just think it's stupid. You know, like I don't know my logo. (laughs) This this is me. This is who I am. You know. (laughs) Okay. So you wouldn't. What if somebody? What if like one of your students graduated and and got into graphic design and sent you a really money looking Ted Cluck logo that had like T and the K together or whatever. I mean, you would, you would probably use it, it, man. I I probably would use it. If, if that very scenario happened that you just described, I would use it. Okay. But you wouldn't seek it out. That's the sad part, but I wouldn't seek it out. Seeking it out is the sad part, but if it just sort of fell into my lap, I would use it. So if the church had a graphic designer like going there and they made it as their contribution, that wouldn't be sad. Dude, there you go. Yeah. Like if one of your parishioners was like, was like, Hey, I've got this graphic design business. Can I, can I mess around with some concepts? And you were like, yeah, then, then yeah, I, I think it'd be fine. All right. How about the signature church branding colors? Oh, I, just sad. Sadder than sad. <laughs> Sadsville. <laughs> All right. Sadcaster, Pennsylvania, man. That's. Just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, how about this uh, mission statement, dude? The mission statement. Now, I think I think this one gets into like some territory that's kind of important, you know. Um, so if I'm checking your church out, if I'm on the website, I want to know like what you're about, what you believe. Now, this is different than the statement of faith, no? Yeah, yeah. Usually, the mission statement would be short and pithy, yeah. and everyone could memorize it. And then you're supposed to compare any potential yeah. ministry to it to see if it fits the quote unquote mission that usually yeah. you understand to have come from God Himself. Yeah, yeah. No, see, I think the statement of faith is important. Mm-hmm. I think the mission statement is usually kind of dumb. Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. I, I've, I've rarely ever, and those are yeah. those usually sound more like somebody trying to be Don Draper. Yes, they sound like Mad Libs. You know what I mean? Like Mad Men take, Libs. Yeah, you you take 
you know, 11 sort of churchy terms and just kind of mash them together with some business terms. And that's your mission statement. And, and it you, usually just sucks the life out of people. You know what I just reminded, reminded me of? We were going to do Dude, that. Magnets. We were going to do magnets. We were going to have like those like 90s, like how you'd have the poetry words or whatever for, on the yeah. magnets. We were going to do five different kinds of mission statement mission statements with the words. Like we were going to be yeah. like uh, mega church, uh, emergent church. Right. Oh man, I probably still have that on like my Palm Pilot. Dude, remember when somewhere. we were we were super excited for like a half a day about the magnets. Then we thought about how much work it would be to cut out each individual magnet. <laughs> yeah, we're like, oh, we'll do it during a movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be fun, dude. I yeah. just opened up the magnets yeah. thing here. I, I think we should just put this document on the Gut Check um, Army page. People because... can make their own magnets. They can cut out their own magnets. Dude, listen to this. Yeah. This is the magnet words for the emergent one. Oh, I can't wait. Inhabit, space, diverse, space. experience, urban, oh. farming, engage, oh. DNA, DNA, community, organic. organic, again, engage, oh. arts, justice, justice, blue, feminist, jazz, jazz. journey, revolutionary, oh, man. missional, Engage, incarnational, <laughs> yes. do, be, be. church, <laughs> silence, oh, contemplative, silence yeah. authentic, oh. sell, real, real, toms, <laughs> tattoos, skinny oh, jeans. This shows us a little bit dated, I guess. Yeah, a little dated. Canvas, rainbow, mm. abstract. Cultivate. Oh my gosh, there's that's only half of them, dude. That's so funny. <laughs> that's so freaking funny, man. And then we had them for uh, the mega church, and then we had them for, dude. Read me five of the uh, mega church ones, if you would. All right, vision, vision, growing, uh huh, parking, attendant, <laughs> missional, yes, network. Okay, and I'll, I'll read one more. Nineties. Nice. And then, there, and then here, one more. Hyphen sensitive. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'll put Man, that up I'd... on the uh, the page for people. Dude, to Dude, yeah, put that up on the page. Let uh, let the gut check army uh, have have its way with uh, with those Mad Libs. Man, that'll that'll be a blast for them. Make your own uh, magnets. Make your own magnets if you haven't already. Uh, obviously, go to gutcheckpress.com. Sign up for the gut check army. It will be the uh, easiest army you ever enlist in, meaning that there's no training, uh, there's no shooting, there's no violence. Um, there's only a, a free thing from us every once in a while. So uh, so do that. I feel uh, like but, there's violence if you're Cliff Graham. Yo, well, I, I mean, if you're Cliff Graham, there's violence either way, whether you join or, or you don't. <laughs> but, um, you know, that that's a, that's its own unique situation, baby. Do you have, have any, other, any other creepy or fine uh, scenarios to run by me? How about this? Praise team. Mm. Dude, now see, this is this 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 gets tricky because I, I I've been I've been at a lot of churches where I've really loved and appreciated the people who do the music, and they tend to be the same kind of handful of people each time, which would you know, would, would kind of lend itself to being called the praise team. Although I don't know that they would ever re refer to themselves as the praise team. You know what I mean? Right, because they don't have jerseys, nor do they compete. Yes, right. So they're not actually a team. Right. You know? 
But uh, Praise Band to me sounds even more kind of sad. Yeah, I it mean, it sounds what, like a performance. What this is, these are people who do music, you mm-hmm. know, and and maybe people who do music is fine. Praise Team is creepy. <laughs> so, so it's, it's all it's semantics. A, yeah, it's a it's a very fine distinction, you know. Which is why we're having the dialogue. Which is it's why we're journeying through this together. All right, one one more. Okay. Film discussion group. <laughs> okay. As outreach, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think it's very kind of late nineties. <laughs> okay. um, like we should discuss like late nineties films. Yeah. Like, yeah, all right, what do you think of Stigmata? Yeah. There's some exactly. faith element there. Very, very earnest late nineties films. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be a fun group, actually. I would, I would want to be a part of that. That actually, uh, that group exists, and it's just you and me, and it's yeah, every time exactly. we get together. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing especially redemptive about it, just that it's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, boy, I don't know. I, I, I think again, you, you don't want to be a part of a, a church who's. I, I went to a church one time, and I, I won't say the name of it or where it was, but uh, the, this church, like the sermon was they showed clips of a movie. The movie happened to be a Rango, which was like a kid's cartoon movie like five years ago. Um, so they were, they were showing clips of Rango, and every once in a while the guy would like stop and, and ask some like provocative questions or whatever, and that was church. No. No, no it wasn't actually. You're wrong. Zach, I, I kid you not. That was that was church for no, them. I mean, that's what again, they were Again, though. Church. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I remember walking out of it going like, when does church start? You know, like <laughs> what was, I don't know what that was, but when does church start? Um, so I don't, I, I don't think there's any problem with people doing that just kind of on their own time. But, uh, but you know, it's not church. What do you think <laughs> is the least sad way for a church to like, um, do outreach quote unquote, like, you know, the pick up basketball league yeah. or, you know, what, what in your mind is like, that's because you, you have the two ditches, the one where something just seems yeah. played out and you do it because you've always done it. And the yeah. other one where it's like so trendy and you do it because ooh or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I think, I think helping people is always a really good way to go, man. I mean, I think if you can, and, and your church actually does a great job of this with the, the clothing center that, uh, that you guys do out of, you know, out of the basement of your church. I mean, I think if you can, if you can meet needs, if you can help people, um, that's always a really not creepy and, and mm-hmm. a really, it seems to me just like natural and helpful and biblical and solid way to, to get to know people in your community. So I, I think you can't go wrong with that. Um, it can be you know, creepy if it becomes clear that the reason we're doing this is to try and get some more people, people in the pews. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that definitely becomes creepy. And, and, you know, I think other outreachy type things like basketball and, you know, that can get creepy where, you know, you see these mega churches. And again, I won't, I won't name the name of the one in your community, but, um, you know, where they have like an NBA quality, you know, labyrinth of gyms and they have sort of <laughs> like athletic fields that are maintained by like the guy who used to maintain the field at Michigan State, you know, and <laughs> yeah. it's just like uh, so obviously raining money on this church that the, the excess, the decadence, but I mean, opening up a gymnasium and like having some guys from the community to play basketball, you know, a couple times a month, I think is a is a pretty cool way again to to just get to know people. Yeah, and then and then you just do that, and it, and it is what like it, it is. And I almost said it is what it is. Kill yeah. me. It, yeah. it, it, it's its own thing. It's not a means to an end. It is the end. Right. And then you do it with the hopes that that you'll just uh, kind of build relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think so many people, this is like the churchiest episode we've ever had. This will be the one guru tend, like listens to and they're like, 
Yeah, these, they'll, these they'll drop are... us after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, because you know, talking about the 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 gym thing, it's very. I better uh, hurry up and drink the guru that's in my that's in my garage. Or they'll come and take it back, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll show up one day at home and it won't be there. <laughs> but but I mean, so many people today don't have, um, you know, they're in a bubble. They don't have unbelieving yeah. or non-Christian friends, and so when they're told and you know you need to have relationships with people outside of this bubble, they're like, yeah. um. And if the church itself can be like, well, just come here on every other Wednesday and play basketball, and you know, right. invite your coworkers, and there'll be other people here. And that'll help you to not be creepy and and you know kind of uh, entirely isolated in your in your yeah. little subculture. Yeah. See, I think I think that's way more productive and way cooler than like I don't know paying some ad agency to come up with a a hip logo that's going to really draw people in. You know, like that to me just is the epitome of sad. You know what's sad about it, baby, is uh, the idea of a pastor like sitting around a table with his elders, like looking at different logo mock-ups. Mock-ups. <laughs> you know, there's something about that that just, to me, you know, takes years off my life just thinking about it. Unless they're all dressed like it's Mad Men and they're all, they've all got like scotch. I don't know. Then it becomes yeah, yeah. kind of money. And, and they're making a thing of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're self-referential in their self-referential own. Self-referential in a funny way. Then it becomes Self-aware. Yeah. All right. All right. One, one more. Immersive social media involvement. Uh, yeah, bad idea. Sad. <laughs> you see, you're disagreeing with all the, like, Tom Rainers of the world. Dude, I don't even know who that is, but yeah, I disagree with him. Tom Rainer is the head of Lifeway. Oh. Um, so he's no, occasionally interviewed that. by Barnabas. Yeah, because they probably give a ton of money to my university. So I, whatever Tom Rainer says, man, I agree with him. <laughs> I'm okay. down. Well, what did then... you just say? I'm, I'm for that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that kind of kills the rest of the conversation. Then let's let's move on to Literacy Month, man. No, what did you just say though? What was the what was the last thing? Oh, uh, immersive social media activity as an outreach. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I do think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I do too. And but every expert everywhere, and and even all the hobbyists are like, this is where you got to be. This is where all the people are. This is where gotta, you got to be. It's, where the people, it's what the people are doing uh, these days. Yeah, right. Well, it's all about the the Twitter and the the Facebook Twitter. The Twitter and the Facebooks. <laughs> <laughs> It is what everybody's doing, but I think everyone's miserable doing it, and they wish they were doing something else. Exactly, and I don't think it's having any real impact anymore because we've reached long since super saturation. I totally agree, dude. Why are people listening to us on this issue? Um, because I only have four people at my church apparently, and so it's <laughs> you know they're like, why would they? All right, so uh, let's let's get to uh, Gut Check Literacy Month. We're in week five of okay. Gut Check Literacy Month. Uh, we've just uh, met Ironsides and his daughter Carol Ann. Mm-hmm. A masterfully written by Ted Cluck. Oh, you're too kind. And it's now time to uh, meet uh, a couple more characters, and I think this is the end of the introduction of all the uh, the different oh, folks that are going to be the Rapture group. And this was masterfully written by you. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole book. I think it was really funny. I, I, this is one of my favorites too. That I, of the ones that I wrote. After this, we go back to Ted Strongbow. Right. And yeah. things start developing, you know, kind of plot-wise. Yeah, the plot starts to move along. Things start to happen to uh, Teddy Strongbow there in the in the bowels of Dynex Lifeway Mile High Stadium. And everyone starts being drawn together in one place mm. where the yes. rapture may or may not happen. That's right. Because when and the rapture someone may or may not explode. It will just happen in one place. Right. You know? <laughs> so the theology is really solid here I mean, <laughs> on many levels. It's as solid as... Exactly as solid as the Left Behind books. Exactly. That's the, that's the level of solidness we shot for. And I think we hit it. <laughs> we did. We hit it dead on. 
In yeah. fact, it was a, we found that our book was just a little bit too kind of theologically astute, yeah. so we yeah. hamstrung it and added some more things. So yeah. we actually let our kids read it and, and <laughs> give some notes. So. <laughs> actually, I had my kids bit. read uh, Left Behind uh, and, and yeah. give some notes. And, and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Where are you, Ted? Hey, hang on one second, Zach. Hey, you know who I got in the, in the room, man? I got Brady Teague, your student. Oh, bring him on. Yeah, okay, Brady, you want to be on the podcast? We're recording right now. All right, uh, this is Brady Teague. He's one of my uh, one of my students in PR writing. Anyway, man, it's good it's good to have Brady here in the room. Do you know that Brady has an exceptional singing voice? And, have have uh, him sing a few bars. We we actually sang uh, what was the Whitney Houston song we sang together um, in class? We sang "I Will Always Love You." Yeah, um, in the mic, man. What was the one from the Bodyguard? We sang the one from the Bodyguard. Zach, what are some, you remember the movie The Bodyguard? Kevin yeah, Costa? the only song I remember is "I Will Always Love You," though. Yeah, there was another one though. Um, oh man, I'm blanking, totally blanking. You know what's a money scene in the in the Bodyguard? Uh, the one where he throws up her scarf and it and it cuts on his his uh, machete that he has on the wall. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, although it makes me a little uncomfortable because I first watched that movie with my parents. Dude, yeah, it was very Freudian, wasn't it? But there's two scenes that I love the most. One is when uh, the guy from Dumb and Dumber, who's the like traditional bodyguard comes yes. back and tries to fight him. Okay. And and he just gets his butt kicked and then he throws the knife so that it hits the wall right next to his head. And yeah. then Costner just says, I don't want to talk about this again and walks out of the room. Yeah. But even more money is when he jumps through the window, freaking somersaults as he lands, stands up and and the the bad guy's out in the woods somewhere and he yeah. closes his eyes and by hearing, he mm. he gets like within an inch of killing the guy. Dude, oh man, that's that. amazing. I remember the woods thing. That that is a manifestly crappy movie that yes. I, that I really enjoy watching time and time again. You know? Yeah, it's great stuff. Well, I'm gonna let Brady go, man. He's got uh, lots of work to do here. It's shut up, just go. <laughs> All right, so let's read this chapter, man. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. This is mostly your chap, so I'm gonna let you do the the bulk of the reading here. All right, here we go. Chapter four. What are your options, really? <laughs> The North American Aerospace Defense Command, better known as NORAD, is located near the Cheyenne Mountain Nuclear Bunker in Colorado Springs, which is about an hour drive from Denver. You've undoubtedly seen depictions of NORAD's Central Command on movies, especially Soviet fear-fueled 80s movies, and believe it or not, the actual thing is even more spectacular than you imagine. <laughs> Everything is space-aged and shiny. Of course. There are retinal scanners and laser security fields at every juncture. Flat screens hang from the ceiling every 10 feet like some sort of megachurch on crack, <laughs> displaying eyes-only information for the operatives within, as well as more vanilla employee-type announcements about the upcoming events and, quote, theme days. For example, Jean Jacket Thursday, which is coming up next week, <laughs> and which will have a 94% participation rate, greatly pleasing the head of HR, who happens to be Dick Cheney. Jean Jacket Thursday is huge at NORAD. <laughs> we didn't mention that if you don't pay, take part, you're, you know, you're like killed. But He shoots you with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> the walls, yeah, right. Oh, a Dick Cheney reference. That's a uh, nice dude, kind of folksy. Isn't that folksy... fun, a Dick Cheney reference? Yeah. Yeah. I miss, I miss those things. Oh, me too. Uh, like with silly little things like when the vice president would shoot someone in the face. Yeah, I, I feel like we, this administration has really lacked those silly little things. Right, the the vice president who literally doesn't have a heartbeat because doesn't he doesn't have a, have a real it, heart. Yeah, I mean, really, the the silly little things about this administration have been actually like really just sad things that have <laughs> right. You know, 
Those silly have, little horrifying things. That are, yeah, that have bummed out even even the two of us. Dude, Guru is gone. Just admit yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, Guru. That that sound that you hear is them running. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very politely, just dropping us to the curb in, in a kind of Canadian way. Yes. Um, we, we'll still always love you. We will always love you. Yeah, that was the Whitney song. Yeah. All right. So the walls of the place are absolutely covered with panels full of buttons. The square kind with nothing printed on them to indicate what will happen if you push them, and which actually light up, flashing on and off in a way that creates ever-changing patterns on the walls. No one ever pushes the buttons. Reginald Faustus works at NORAD as a janitor. This sometimes surprises people, i.e. that there are janitors at NORAD, but when you think about it, someone has to clean even the highest clearance and most sensitive of government facilities, or they would get real gross really quick. Especially when you factor in that, even in these progressive times, men still outnumber women by a ratio of 8 to 1 in the upper echelons of the intelligence and military complex. There is nothing grosser than a row of urinals that are overdue for a good cleaning, and while one would expect men in charge of nuclear missiles to be quite concerned with good aim, they apparently aren't. So, what are your options, really? You can either, one, let everything reach frat house levels of filth, Two, make four-star generals and covert operatives take turns scrubbing toilets and mopping floors. Or three, hire the usual low-wage earners and screen them very, very carefully. NORAD goes with option three. The screening is actually done by an intermediary clearinghouse affiliated with La Haye Armaments, LTD, which also, long story, manufactured most of the atomic weapons at the facility's disposal. LHA uses enhanced interrogation techniques and advanced lie detector equipment to make sure no one gets access to NORAD with the wrong motives. The wrong motives include the obvious, i.e. Ruskies or other enemy agents looking for state secrets, as well as the more nuanced, i.e. people with delusions of grandeur or those looking to add a little excitement to their lives, as well as those prone to blab about work to their friends. When he was hired, Faustus told them straight out that he wanted to work there in order to be close to Sylvia. They bought this, and it's technically true, but they didn't get all the information. They didn't realize that when Reginald spoke of his extensive experience as a, quote, cleaner, he was speaking not in janitorial, but espionage-related terms. And while he'd never worked directly for the CIA, relatively few operatives do, Reginald Faustus had been able to pass the lie detector test because he'd been trained by one of the agency's best, Sylvia. For her part, while Sylvia Lavorde worked at NORAD, she did not actually work for NORAD, Rather, she was assistant manager of the CIA hub in the atrium of Bunker B. Decades earlier, President Ronald Reagan had ordered the construction of an exact replica of Denver's Park Meadows Mall, which he described as, quote, America in a nutshell, (laughs) at NORAD, under 600 feet of solid earth. In the wake of 9-11, the food court of the mall replica had been chosen as the perfect central location to bring all the federal agencies together to share information. And so... The old Sparrows is now the FBI's NORAD hub. Panda Express has become the NSA's, and so on with the CIA, ATF, etc. Auntie Anne's Pretzels is still Auntie Anne's Pretzels, and they turn a tidy profit, but all the other restaurants are now gone. As newcomers to the intelligence world, the Department of Homeland Security is forced to occupy a kiosk in the middle of the cafeteria tables. The corresponding kiosk in the actual Park Meadows Mall sells body-piercing accessories. Ironically, at NORAD, the DHS kiosk is positioned between a larger, functioning belly button ring stand and a little cart that sells silk-screened cell phone covers, both the result of shameful, quote, pork in federal (laughs) spending bills. 
Every morning, Sylvia unlocks and raises that little metal gate that protects the agency's secrets and flips on the CIA's neon open sign. Once a valued field operative, Sylvia now stands there manning that booth for 10 (laughs) hours a day. Most people think she's nothing special, but Faustus isn't most people. He's currently leaning on a mop, staring at her with bloodshot eyes. She knows he stares, and he knows she knows, but nobody really cares. It's harmless if you don't count the half-dozen people who've gotten a little, quote, too close to Sylvia, and then mysteriously disappeared. Hey, little buddy, says a passing analyst, mussing Faustus's hair playfully. (laughs) He winks as if to a child, and Faustus feels the familiar prickly anger rising up from his ankles all the way to his collar. Keep cool, he says to himself. No one else at NORAD knows that he's a trained killer, and he'd like to keep it that way for now. The analyst gives him a little lazy hint of a back rub for like half a second, then winks again, and then walks off. Faustus can feel his cheeks getting red with anger. The problem, he realizes, is that they all assume being a midget defines Reginald Faustus. But it doesn't. Sure, it's a factor. Sure, he has to bring a step stool around with him on his cleaning cart so he can reach the retinal scanners. But all in all, being a midget is incidental to who he is at his core. More surprising is that neither working at NORAD, nor being a janitor, nor having assassinated a number of people as part of various black bag operations delimit who Faustus is as a person. Rather, Faustus's central trait, and probably his biggest flaw, is that he allows himself to be defined by his relationships with other people. There's Sylvia, of course, after whom he has been pining for decades, and with whom he's had no, no more than a couple of brief and embarrassingly frantic makeout sessions. <laughs> but there's also Tim Van Shrimpy, the televangelist who crossed paths with a drunken Faustus quite by accident nearly 30 years ago, and who continues to have a strange hold on him. And then there's his old friend, Louis Ironsides. You see, we're already bringing together these characters. Yeah, we are. We're masterfully woven <laughs> together. And then there's his old friend, Louis Ironsides, the Reformed Baptist pastor who is always trying to find the right man to marry his daughter. Regarding this quest, he updates Faustus via text at least twice a week. Lately, it's been more like twice a day. Apparently, there's this new guy, Tad, who seems to fit the profile perfectly. A face-to-face interview is imminent. Reginald doesn't really care, but he pretends to because he's a people-pleaser. What kind of name is Tad, anyway? Reginald wonders. Then feels his heart flutter as he watches Sylvia begin field-stripping her 9mm pistol, as she does every day at this time. The sight reminds him of a text he'd gotten from another old friend the night before, a friend he hasn't spoken with in years. The message had simply read, Be on alert. That was it. No context, no details, nothing. Faustus frankly thought that the whole thing would seem far more serious had the sender taken the extra fraction of a second to push the E button after the B. Still, the midget had taken it seriously enough to stay up all night breaking the concrete floor of his basement apart in order to access three large gym bags full of guns. (laughs) The The idea of pouring concrete over his weapons cache had seemed cool the winter before when he'd seen it in a montage during an action movie. But when you actually have to spend several hours hitting a sledgehammer against a cement floor over and over again, it's nowhere near as glamorous as you think it will be. Faustus is tired and sore. I wonder if it's a little sledgehammer. (laughs) I never thought of that. (laughs) It is. Yeah. A buzz from his cell phone suddenly jars him from his thoughts. Technically, you're not supposed to bring cell phones to work when you work at NORAD, but everyone assumes Faustus is harmless, again, because he's a midget, so he's able to sneak it in in the bottom of his lunch pail. (laughs) It's another text from Reverend Lewis Ironsides. May need your particular set of skills up here, it reads, and your access to missile launch codes. Think I finally found the one. 
He rolls his eyes. Ironsides is always so dramatic. Faustus replies with his stubby little thumbs. Husband for Carol Ann? Well, he waits for a response. He catches Sylvia's eye. She nods at him, almost imperceptibly. But it's like crank to a meth head for Faustus. He grins at her, and then his phone buzzes again with another message from Ironsides. No, Antichrist. Ooh. <laughs> uh, you know what I love? <laughs> what? Our book. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I just envision him swinging a little a little hammer against the floor of his basement. <laughs> it would take a long time, wouldn't it? It really would take forever, wouldn't it? That's awful. What was the movie where the guy goes down in his basement and he breaks open the floor to get the guns? No, I don't know. I think it was uh, it was Bruce Willis, and I think it was that yeah. one where they're like retired operatives and like Malkovich is in it. Oh, Red. Red. It's Red, yeah. right? That's a great movie, too. Yeah. Those are really fun. Yeah. I never saw the second one. It was good. Yeah, it was a lot like the first one. Yeah, just a fun, a fun, you know, kind of forgettable but but really enjoyable action movie. Did it have uh, Helen Mirren in an yeah. evening gown shooting a like Gatlin gun? Dude, it did, which was a really awesome thing, and and really, yeah, I won't get into it. I mean, I won't you got get your into own stuff the, going on, but yeah, I won't get into all the all the kind of diverse reactions to that and all the things that were going on. But, things that uh, were awakened and then and then <laughs> almost immediately bedded back down very intentionally. Down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cut that part out, please. Really? No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't either, man. I don't know anything anymore. Oh, Judas, who does, man? Well, you know what? We have wandered uh <laughs> we've wandered to and far. <laughs> Whatever that means. And uh we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>